Dark Cast Network. The light shines brightest on our indie podcasts. My name is Brenda, and welcome to Horrifying History, where you will hear about the unexplained, paranormal, and supernatural happenings that have stained the pages of history. When I originally thought of telling you all the real stories behind the Disneyfied versions of fairy tales, I had no idea what you would think. I'm happy to say that you loved hearing the original versions as much as I love telling them to you. The tales behind the Disney versions are full of darkness and death. They give us a view of the ideologies and biases of the times that they were written, but sometimes the bias is actually on Disney's part. Even though Disney wants us to think that all women are delicate but strong princesses, that's not the truth. They want us to think that all men are valiant, but they're not. Good and evil are not as black and white as Disney makes things out to be. Not everyone lives happily ever after in a castle with their true loves. Gather round, my dear listeners, it's time for another story. Welcome to episode 96, The Dark Side of Disney, The Tales Behind the Fairy Tales, Part 3. Critics have proclaimed that the Disney movie Pocahontas is a classic and one of the best movies that Disney ever made. They say it gives children an insight into Indigenous history and teaches children how to be grateful while appreciating the small things in life. But did you all know that Pocahontas was a real person and that once again, Disney completely changed the narrative? So before I tell you what really happened, let's hear the Disney version first. Once upon a time, which was actually in 1607, Captain John Smith was traveling in his ship looking for an adventure. He was bringing a group of people from the Virginia Company to the New World, but on the way, disaster strikes. A terrible storm hits, and those on board have to fight to stay alive. One of these people is a young and inexperienced crewmate named Thomas. John Smith saves this lad from drowning, and as everyone continues on to the new world, they all talk about the great adventure that they're about to have. This includes finding gold, fighting with the indigenous population, and maybe just taking over indigenous land just for the hell of it. Meanwhile, in the new world, Pocahontas lived with her Powhatan tribe. She was a young, smart, and in typical Disney fashion, pretty hot girl. She was the daughter of the tribe's chief, and she was worried that her father was going to force her into marriage with the top warrior of the tribe named Kokum. Pocahontas thought that Kokum was brave, but was too serious and, well, kind of boring as hell. She was a free spirit, and she felt trapped. Instead of having a conversation with her dad about this, she says nothing. The chief then decides to give Pocahontas her mother's necklace as a gift. 
After receiving the gift, she decides to hang out with her BFFs, a raccoon named Miko and a hummingbird named Flit. Together, they visit a talking willow tree who is named Grandmother Willow, and they discuss how Pocahontas is debating her life plan. Grandmother Willow then tells Pocahontas that the British are coming, the British are coming. Now, wait a minute, that was another movie. She actually said something like, heads up, girlfriend, some British people are coming to take over. No big deal, everything's going to be all good. It's a Disney movie. It's all good. This is when we get introduced to the villain of our story, Governor Radcliffe. His goals were the same as every other Disney villain, wealth and high status. When John Smith is looking for adventure after reaching the New World, Radcliffe is looking for gold. He orders all of the crew to start randomly digging for gold, and John, well, he's not really into digging. He starts to wander around the forest for a bit and then finds the breathtakingly hot Pocahontas. In typical colonialism ideology, John Smith thinks she's speaking gibberish to him, but Grandmother Willow is supposedly a magical translator and gives John the ability to understand Pocahontas' words. In typical Disney style, the couple were instantly mesmerized by each other and they fall in love. It doesn't matter that the chief told Pocahontas to stay away from those oppressors after Kokum and the tribe's warriors started to fight them. She was in love. Meanwhile, Miko the raccoon meets Percy the pug. Percy is Governor Radcliffe's dog, and soon Miko becomes the bane of this dog's existence. Right here is where the first huge red flag shows up for Pocahontas. John tells her that he and his men came to America to find gold, and Pocahontas tells him that there is none. Here is where Disney gives us a life lesson. If you meet a guy and he instantly tells you he wants money, you need to run away. But in typical Disney style, our girl ignores this flag. She was in love. Pocahontas brings her new man to meet Grandmother Willow, which in my opinion was way too fast for family to meet the new beau. Pocahontas' BFF, Nokoma, finds out her friend is starting a relationship with John. Being a totally toxic BFF, Nakoma runs to tell Kokum. This relationship quickly becomes the worst kept secret ever because Governor Radcliffe finds out too. Radcliffe demands that John kills all the indigenous that he runs into, and if not, it would be treason. Now just for the record, it's not treason to speak to a girl. It's a whole lot worse to wipe out humans just because they're different than you. Just saying. So as you all can imagine, John doesn't listen and he goes back to see his honey Pocahontas. They then speak to Grandmother Willow and make a plan to have peace between the colonists and the tribe. This is where John and Pocahontas get their smooching on and they're both seen by Kokum and Thomas who are both sent to spy on each other's groups. Since Kokum is kind of a stalker who's used to getting whatever he wants, he loses his mind and tries to kill John. Thomas intervenes and saves John by killing Kokum who dramatically grabs Pocahontas' necklace off her neck and dies destroying it. John tells Thomas to leave before the other tribe members arrive. When they show up, they catch her John. Now Pocahontas' dad is pissed. He berates his daughter for, well, like everything, and then declares war on the English. He also announces his plans to kill John at dawn. Meanwhile, Thomas gets back to Jamestown and tells everybody about John's capture. This is where Governor Radcliffe sees his opportunity. In typical villain behavior, Radcliffe thinks this is a great excuse to kill all of the tribe members and steal their non-existent gold. Figuring that the English were planning to bring on the pain, Pocahontas' dad tells his warriors to get ready for battle. Pocahontas is now a bit of a hot mess. Her man's about to be killed, her dad's pissed off, her tribe's going to war. She runs to Grandmother Willow, where she finds Miko. 
Miko the raccoon, he's a kleptomaniac because he somehow managed to get a hold of John's compass. Pocahontas looks at it and she realizes that an arrow from the compass looks like the spinning arrow that she saw in a dream. This must represent her destiny versus her just randomly dreaming of an arrow. Soon, the morning comes. John is dragged by the tribe to a cliff that's overlooking the clearing where John will be executed. As he looks sadly at his supposed death site, Governor Ratcliffe leads his armed men to the cliff to kill all the warriors. As John is seconds from being killed, Pocahontas makes a long and dramatic speech that convinces everyone not to kill each other and to release her man. Both sides stand down, but in true villain style, Radcliffe orders his men to attack anyway. All the colonists basically say, nah, we're good here. This pisses off Radcliffe, who fires his musket at Pocahontas' daddy. But again, in typical Disney prince style, John sacrifices himself for the chief. He gets shot and he falls to the ground. This event makes the colonists realize that Radcliffe is a massive jerk and they turn on their former boss. They detain Ratcliffe for all his evil deeds. John is then brought back to the tribe to heal, but for some ridiculous reason, apparently, John just can't heal in the new world. To become whole, he needs to go back to England. Now, personally, I think this may have something to do with England having all that opium, but that's just a guess. The colonists then decide to send Governor Ratcliffe back to face the punishment for his evil crimes against the tribe. Now John begs his love to come with him, but she tells him in true martyr style that she has to stay and keep the peace between their people. This is where kleptomaniac Miko and his now BFF Percy gives Pocahontas her mother's necklace back. Somehow, without opposable thumbs, they were able to fix it. The film ends with Pocahontas standing on top of a cliff watching John's ship sail back to the other side of the world. Wow. Just wow. Now, my dear listeners, you will find out exactly what I mean by that when you hear the real story of Pocahontas. So we're going to start with the very first lie that Disney told. The heroine in this tale was not actually originally named Pocahontas. She was born in about 1596, and her name was Matawaka. Pocahontas was actually her nickname, and is translated to be either playful one or ill-behaved child, but for our tale today, we will refer to her as the name that she's mostly known as, Pocahontas. We also want to give you guys all a heads up here. Despite of what Disney shows, this tale is not about a young Indigenous woman with a spunky raccoon friend who falls in love at first sight. The true story of Pocahontas is a tale full of tragedy, abuse, murder, and heartache. If we go back to Pocahontas' real name, it gives hints to her origin. She was born to her mother who was named Pocahontas, who died during childbirth, and her father, who later became chief of their tribe. Her birth name, Matawaka, is said to mean flower between two streams, and according to tribal history, it was likely given to her because she was born between two rivers of the Mataponi and Pomunki tribes. After his wife's death, the chief was devastated. As little Pocahontas grew, she quickly became her father's favorite since she looked so much like her mother. She was raised by her female family members and by the other women of her tribe, which was customary. What was also customary was that the paramount chief of the chiefdom, Pocahontas' father, had several other wives from other villages. Because of this, Pocahontas had many brothers and sisters. 
But the chief did not forget Pocahontas's mother. Due to his lingering grief, the chief often called his daughter by her mother's name of Pocahontas. Now, according to tribal history, Pocahontas was a child of 10 years old when John Smith and the English colonists arrived in the spring of 1607. John, on the other hand, was about 27 years old. This is one of the biggest lies that Disney told in their story. John and Pocahontas were never romantically involved. In fact, at this time, they had no idea that each other even existed. The children of the tribe were very closely cared for and watched by all members of the tribe. Since Pocahontas was the daughter of the chief, she was held to a higher and more strict standards than the other children. She was given even more structure than them, and she received training in their culture. Meanwhile, John and the colonists stayed at nearby Jamestown Island, which was near the tribe. After settling in, they started to explore the outlying areas, which allowed for the two groups to start to interact. But John actually was not known to embrace the locals. He did not care about the indigenous population like Disney wants you to think. In fact, John was feared by the local indigenous people due to he was known to walk into villages and put his gun to the head of the chiefs and demanding their food and supplies. This guy was definitely not a prince. Then in the winter of 1607, John and the colonists clashed with the local warriors. John was captured by the chief's younger brother. It was here that the two groups aligned. It was definitely a situation of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Both the English and Pocahontas' tribe feared the Spanish. So the two groups decided to make an alliance. Eventually, the chief grew to like John. He offered him the position of leader of the colonists as recognized by the tribe. He also offered him a more livable area for John and the colonists that had better access to game and fishing. Now here comes the next big lie. Years later, John claimed that Pocahontas saved his life during the four-day process that he had to endure to become leader. Now, according to the tribal history as well as contemporary writings, there was absolutely no reason at all that anybody in the tribe would attempt to kill or kill a man who was receiving such an honor from the chief. Also, children were not allowed to attend ceremonies like the leadership ceremony, so therefore, it was impossible that Pocahontas saved John's life that day. There are also additional historical accounts that allege that Pocahontas defied her father's wishes and brought food to John and the colonists. This simply is not true. Jamestown was about 12 miles or about 19.3 kilometers from the tribe's location. It is inconsistent with the tribe's culture that a 10-year-old girl would travel alone for this distance. In addition to this, to get to Jamestown, an individual would have to cross large water bodies using dugout canoes that weighed approximately 400 pounds or 181 kilograms. I'm pretty sure that Pocahontas was not Supergirl and could not carry this canoe herself. Then, there was a simple fact that Pocahontas, as we mentioned before, was very well supervised by the members of the tribe. Add this all together, and you get another historical lie. It is believed that in this time frame, Pocahontas actually served as a symbol of peace between the two groups. Just by her being present in Jamestown, it showed that her people had no ill intent when they met with settlers in Jamestown. By the time 1608 came, John's role as chief of the colonists took a bad turn. The colonists, well, they really sucked as farmers, so John started violently demanding supplies from the nearby indigenous villages. 
he went back to his try and true, putting a gun to the head of village leaders deal. In one account, one of the tribe's women told John that he called himself a Christian, yet he left the tribe no food for the winter. Now, Pocahontas' dad did not like these actions at all, and he told John that he never treated any of his leaders as well as him, yet he was the worst of them all. And here comes our next historical lie. John would later say that the chief wanted to kill him, but then learned of the plot due to young Pocahontas came over to warn him. But according to Indigenous historians, John's claim was a massive line of crap. Due to all the eyes that were on this young girl at the time, it would have been impossible for her to leave unseen. On top of this, in attempts to keep peace, the tribe gave additional provisions to the settlers. And then there's the written proof. In 1608, John wrote a letter that was published without his knowledge. In this letter, there are no claims that Pocahontas tried to save his life on two separate occasions. It wasn't until John wrote and published his book called General History of Virginia in 1624 that he made these claims. It was pretty convenient timing though, since all of those who could have pointed at him and say, liar, liar, pants on fire, had all passed away. And then things got much worse. Before the English arrived, indigenous tribes were used to wearing clothing that was suitable for the elements. In the summer, that included exposed breasts for females and little to nothing for the children. The English, they took advantage of this. Women and young children were constantly targets to be raped by the colonists. Indigenous women started offering themselves to settlers in attempts to protect their young. The tribe's people were absolutely shocked at this criminal behavior and were horrified when the English government ignored their plight. In the middle of this, Pocahontas was coming of age. As part of a religious ceremony, she chose her new name, which is the one she is known by today. It is believed that during a courtship dance, Pocahontas danced with somebody that we already heard about today, Kokum. He was not the entitled demanding warrior that Disney made him out to be. He was actually the younger brother of another local chief. Pocahontas married that man at the age of 14, and she soon became pregnant with her husband's child. As a newlywed who was preparing to give birth to her first child, Pocahontas had a lot of worry. Why? It was here that rumors started that the colonists were planning to kidnap her. After all, she was the chief's favorite. If the colonists had Pocahontas alive, they thought this would stop any possible attacks by the local tribes. By the time Pocahontas was 15 years old, these rumors turned into a very real threat. While Pocahontas was living with her husband at his village, an English colonist named Captain Samuel Argyle actively started to search for her. As soon as he found out where she was, Samuel went to that village and demanded that the chief, who was her brother-in-law, give him Pocahontas. If he didn't, Samuel said that he and his men would attack the village. The chief, he didn't know what to do. He felt trapped. Since Samuel promised that he would kidnap her only for a short time, the chief was hopeful that Samuel would be a man of his word. To protect the village, he gave Samuel Pocahontas. Before she left, Pocahontas had to give her baby to the women of the village to take care of. As she was hauled away to be placed on a British ship, she had no idea that as soon as her husband returned to the village that day, he was murdered by the colonists. As the news of her kidnapping reached the local tribes, a decision was made. There would be no retaliation for the kidnapping of Pocahontas. The tribal chiefs were both fearful that they would be captured or Pocahontas, who was their symbol of peace, would be harmed or killed. 
Now alone with her captors, Pocahontas soon fell into a very deep depression. She lived in fear for her life and became withdrawn. Her anxiety became so severe that her captors decided to let Pocahontas' older sister and her husband come see her. Pocahontas' brother-in-law was the spiritual advisor to her father, and the colonists thought that maybe this could lighten her mood. When her family arrived at Jamestown, Pocahontas told them that she was raped by the colonists. Multiple people assaulted her multiple times. Pocahontas' family were shocked by what they heard. This is because this act was considered to be one of the worst things that a person could do. Sexual assault rarely occurred in their culture since the punishment was so severe. But then came the other horrible piece of news. Pocahontas was now pregnant due to her sexual assault. She soon delivered a son, who the English named Thomas. Now on top of being kidnapped and being repeatedly sexually assaulted, the colonists would mentally abuse Pocahontas. They demanded that she become more civilized like allegedly they were. They would tell her that her father and her family didn't love her since they didn't even try to rescue her. They would then force her to put on English clothing which she would tear off her body. Eventually, after years of mental abuse, Pocahontas gave in to one of the colonists' demands. She converted to Christianity and took the name of Rebecca. But the colonists wanted even more from her. By this time, the colony was failing. The colonists had a deadline of 1616 to become profitable or they would lose England's support. This is where a man named John Rolfe came in. John was planning to be one of the first colonists in Jamestown, but his arrival was delayed due to being in a shipwreck. After arriving at the New World, he started to experiment with growing tobacco. The local variety in the New World was a bit bitter for the English consumer, so he started planning a variety that came from the West Indies. In June of 1613, John sent the new tobacco to England. They loved it, and this provided the economic stability that Virginia needed. So what does this have to do with Pocahontas? The practice of curing tobacco was considered to be sacred to the local tribes. It would not be shared with any outsider. This is where John realized that he would gain these secrets and political power if he aligned himself with the indigenous population. The easiest way to do this was by marrying Pocahontas. Some historians claim that John and Pocahontas married for love, and others say she was forced into that marriage. What we know for sure is that after Pocahontas was baptized as a Christian, John obtained permission to marry from her father and Virginia governor, Sir Thomas Dale. They were married on April 5, 1614, and this assured peace between the colonists and the local tribes for the next eight years. Even though it was traditional in tribal life that a bride would be given away by her father, Pocahontas' dad did not. In fact, he didn't even go to her wedding. It was due to he was scared that he'd be captured or killed. Pocahontas was never allowed to see her family, her tribe, her firstborn child, or her father ever again. So now that John was married to Pocahontas, he demanded that the tribal spiritual leaders and Pocahontas' family teach him the curing practice. They did as requested, and soon, John's new tobacco was the latest sensation in England. This saved the colony, but it was devastating to the indigenous who shared their ways. The tribal lands were now highly sought after to be used for tobacco trade. Many of the local indigenous people were murdered at the hands of greedy colonists who stole their land to grow more tobacco. Soon, new rumors started coming back to the tribe of Pocahontas. They heard that the colonists wanted to bring her to England to meet the society elite. 
this would be a great way to show that they could make the indigenous civilized like they are and perhaps bring more money and settlers to Virginia. Now, when these rumors came back to Pocahontas' father, he was extremely worried about her. He started to consider to attempt a rescue, but was afraid that the colonists would harm her in revenge. Then in 1616, these rumors became reality. Pocahontas traveled with John, her son Thomas, her kidnapper, Captain John Argyle, her older sister, and several tribal members to England. Now, there was a lot riding on this trip. The elite in England did not approve of mistreating the indigenous, and even though the colonists were committing atrocities against them, they needed it to appear that the colonists and the indigenous got along. In fact, they needed to look like that they were colleagues and friends. But this was the only way they thought that England would continue their financial support of the colonists, and this is where Pocahontas came in. They would use her to show that the two groups were in support of each other. But Pocahontas did not want to be used. She was desperate to return to her home, her father, her son, her family. During this trip, Pocahontas met with the good old John Smith, and it didn't go well. She was outraged. She told him how he abused his position as leader of the colonists, and he betrayed her people. But this didn't stop the English treating her like the puppet they thought she was. Soon after showing her off to all the local high society, plans were made to go back to Virginia in the spring of 1617. According to some historical accounts, Pocahontas became ill and died in March of 1617, never to return to her homeland. But in the accounts told by her people, that is not the truth. She was actually in good health. Shortly after she had dinner with John Rolfe and Captain John Argyle, she vomited and then died. The tribal members that were with her believed she was poisoned. She was only 20 years old when she passed away. Instead of being brought home to her loved ones, Rolf and Argyle took her to Gravesend in England. She was buried at the St. George's Church on March 21, 1617. From that time until today, Pocahontas' people have been asking for her remains to be repatriated. Officials in England claim that the exact location of her remains are unknown. So what happened to the rest of the people in our story? The people from her tribe who were sent with Pocahontas to England, they didn't return home either. Many of them were sold as servants, as carnival attractions, or were sold into slavery. After her father learned of Pocahontas' fate, he died from grief less than a year afterwards. As for John Wolfe, he returned to Virginia and married again. He was appointed to be the colony's council estate, but was killed in 1622 during a massacre in Bermuda. Captain John Argyle was charged by one of his enemies for being a tyrant and a killer. An inquiry was held, and after ignoring all the evidence, he was exonerated. He continued to thrive after being made a member of the Council of New England, and then he was named an admiral. He was knighted by King James on June 26, 1622, and was made a member of the King's War Council. By 1625, Argyle was the admiral of 26 vessels, and in 1626, he died on one of those ships. As for John Smith, who Disney said was such a prince, he made a lot of enemies in his life. One night, he slept in a boat that was in a river near the colony. Suddenly, there was a mysterious gunpowder explosion, but John survived. He was badly wounded, and he returned to England for treatment. He never set foot in Virginia again, and he died in 1631 at the age of 51. As for Pocahontas' first child, who was said to be a son, his tribal name is not known, 
but through tribal oral history, it was discovered that the child was not actually a son at all. Pocahontas had a daughter who was named Kaoki. She survived and she had a family of her own. It is said that one of her descendants is world-famous singer Wayne Newton. As for Pocahontas' son Thomas, he was left in England after his mother died. After receiving an English education, he returned to his mother's tribe as an adult. He was married and today has many descendants. His birth reinstated the peace between the indigenous tribes and the colonists. Now, some believed he died in 1680, but there are no firm records that can confirm this. As much as the colonists tried to erase this strong woman's history, and Disney tried to rewrite it as a fairy tale, Pocahontas' life was definitely not in any way a fairy tale. Thank you all for joining me for our latest episode of Horrifying History. Join us on Facebook at Horrifying History, on Instagram at Horrifying underscore History, on Twitter at Horrifying H-I-S-T-1, or reach out to us by email at HorrifyingHistory at Outlook.com and tell us what are your thoughts on the true story of Pocahontas. If you haven't done so yet, please remember to hit the subscribe button for this podcast. For when you do, not only do you let more people know about our show, but you download our next episode on its day of release. It's a great way not to miss our next episode, The Lead Masks Case. Now, if you would love to have your own piece of horrifying history, you need to check out our store. You'll find some great items by going to redbubble.com and by searching for horrifying history in their search box. And if you want to get a bunch of amazing perks, like ad-free episodes, free merchandise, additional content, and much, much more, we are now on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash horrifyinghistory to sign up today. Thank you all for listening. And until next time.